0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today we've got another edition of Deep Dives with Angel, where Angel Collinson and I dive deep into a number of different topics. And today, we're probably diving deepest into a number of seriously fundamental relationship topics and dynamics. But that's not all, folks, because we also talk about vampire erotica and hobbying to the max, and we discuss a few listener questions, and we talk a bit about our Blister Open Mic series, where you can read a number of... Of Angel's own contributions to that series, in addition to a number of other outstanding pieces from other authors. So we will include a link to our Blister Open Mic series in the show notes of this episode, and who knows, maybe those open mic pieces will become a part of your new evening reading routine. More on that later. But for now, let's get to my conversation with... Angel Collinson. Here we go. Well, Angel, nice to see you. You've been busy, but busy doing like things that aren't really about busyness, I guess I might say. So tell us a little bit about what you've been up to.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Been busy living life, non-boat life stuff. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So You know, the last time we connected, I think I was in the middle of moving, which continued to be a challenge for a bit. I've now officially landed um, in my new apartment Mm. currently, which feels amazing. It's so spacious. I can just roll around on floors, which is like a giant luxury. (laughs) Pete and I, when we were on seabare, we're like, all we need is six square feet where we can like do a full (laughs) like yoga pose and not hit anything. And so being able to like roll around on the floor is really great. And we actually do it all the time just cause we can. It's super fun. So besides from rolling around on the floor, because I can, uh, we also, we went up to base coast, which is this music festival up in Canada. Pete and I both love dancing. We love music. It's a big part of the way we connect. Um, and we really missed music and community when we were on the boat. So, uh, mm-hmm. Right before I met Pete, I went to Base Coast in 2019 and I hung out with Sage, Catabrigalosa and his partner, Annie, and this awesome crew from Jackson Hole in Portland. And it was just the best time. And I was feeling myself. I drove straight to Jackson Hole, met Pete the next day and uh, Hmm. was like just feeling spunky enough that for the first time in my life, I asked a guy out. And I was terrified and gave me so much respect for what guys have to deal with, with rejection because girls don't really know for the most part what that feels like or the, the fear of it. So anyways, um, I was all vibed out from base coast and then I asked Pete out. So it's kind of like our four year anniversary four year celebration of like, wow, look at what we've done (laughs) with our partnership in the past four years. (laughs) And, uh, we have went back there and hung out with Sage again. And Annie also hung out with Ian Mack and his, Ian Macintosh, his partner, Jen. It was so fun. Um, yeah, more, more about mm-hmm. that if we want later. And then yeah. drove back down, you know, did the classic, your body knows you can rest, got sick for a few days. And then just recently went mm-hmm. to, uh, this weekend went to a couple's retreat up in Evergreen, Colorado, mm-hmm. um, with a few other couples and, that was awesome. So, I'm just returning from that. So, yeah, it's kind of been like, go, go, go. But now I have a quite clear schedule. Um, not that you need to know all that, but that's my life. So, there, <laughs> there's my full calendar in case you were curious.
0: <laughs> yeah, we all want to you know go, your calendar. You
1: yeah. So,
0: when's the last time you had hung out with Sage and Ian and their partners?
1: I mean... I was trying to figure that out because, you know, Sage and Ian have been my mentors for, you know, 10 years, Hmm. you know? And we, like, I remember I was there at Sage's wedding when uh, he and Annie got married, like maybe five years ago. And I just came up to him afterwards and I was like, Sage, I'm just so happy to see you this happy, like this in love and with this Hmm. partner who's amazing you know, and he just looked at me and he was like, you know, cause we're surrounded by all different kinds of people from his life. And he was like, you know, thanks so much for being here because it's hard to describe the kinds of, uh, bonds that you make with people when you're in these situations, kind of insert brackets, like, when you're in situations that are so dangerous or where your life is on the line, like earlier that year, he was in this situation where he was on a Ridge and I was like having to talk him into a line and he was legit, super scared. Um, I haven't seen Sage this scared many times, but those moments connect you in a way that's hard to describe, you know? And so it was cool. It's like, I don't see him that often. Um, but, and he's a mentor. And so the, the relationship that we share is like a really unique one. And, um, same thing with Ian, you know, it's like, oh, we've just shared these crazy experiences, like all over the world together. And the last time I saw him, I think was like I don't, five years ago, six years ago, because I don't mm-hmm. think I saw them the entire mm-hmm. year that I blew my knee out. And then, yeah, I don't know. I think it's been like six years. So mm-hmm. it was awesome. And both of them have girl, two girls, Sage has twins. Ian has two girls as well, one's older, one's younger. And they both were kid free, which was so awesome, like partied all night with them, <laughs> like everyone is getting their party party out. And uh, it was also just so cool, because to listen to how enamored they were with um, not only fatherhood, but being the father of girls, because they were so hmm. influential in my life as a woman. And they were so empowering for me like the way that they hmm. supported me and walked me through things or helped me see my own strengths like all of it it's nuanced it's complex and they did such an amazing job and so when I think of them like raising the next generation of girls it just makes me so happy and like seeing their love for them it's just the best so yeah it was good hmm. pretty great <laughs> okay, yeah yeah okay wait wait I forgot I forgot to add this in so this was maybe my favorite moment <laughs> Of getting to see Ian and Sage. So unbeknownst to me, since I've been on Seabear, Pete has, I mean, Sage has gotten really into making pizzas and he's been, you know, perfecting his crust, which, you know, like in his dough, which is a journey. Right. And one of our friends there is like, oh, my Mm -hmm. God, it's come a long way because let me Mm -hmm. tell you, it is freaking delicious. So we're it's Saturday night. Huh. We have been partying all night. Our friend who's in the camp is DJing a sunrise set at like 5 a.m. And he kind of mentioned, hey, uh, to me, Annie, our friend Jeff Stein, and Pete, he's like, we're going to do a little special something for Barasoni sunrise set. And so we're like, okay, cool. He's like, you know, can, I, can we rally back to camp? Can I get your guys support for it? So we're like, yeah, sure, no problem. So we go to camp. It's like 3 a.m., And he, he's like, okay, guys, here's the deal. I pre-made 50 dough balls. I froze them. I put them in my coolers. I smuggled them across the border. Cause you're not supposed to go across the border with live cultures. And I was like, wait, you smuggled them? He's like, yeah, but you know, what am I going to say? If they ask, if they find them, I'm like, yeah, sure. Take them, whatever. Like, it's fine. I wasn't worried about it. So I was like, but you smuggled them. He's like, well, yeah, but I smuggled them. So. He smuggles 50, dough ball, 50 frozen dough balls, pre-made, perfect, little, beautiful, dumpling dough balls across the border. And here we are at 3 a.m. It's dark. They've got headlamps. I'm mostly just moral support. And he's like, Sage, are you feeling up to this? Like, it's kind of late. We're tired. We're scattered. Blah, 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 And he's like, what? Is it? Is it a bad idea? She's like, no, no, no. It's a great idea. Just... You know, are you are you down? And he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, I got a checklist. So he pulls out his phone, he starts reading off his checklist. He's like, apron, like sauce container, blah blah blah. I just got like 50 items on this checklist. (laughs) It's like, I mean, yeah, it's like (laughs) that's a proper checklist. You know, he's got this like full size checklist for his pizza operation, which he needed (laughs) all of them, right? And so anyways, long story short, he like huh. gets all of these things. He gets this little pizza oven into this wagon. He puts his camp chair on it. We've got two wagons. One of the wheels breaks. So we're like actually having to like carry this wagon. We smuggle it into the festival grounds. It's 5 a.m. It's sunrise. We're getting set up. Our friend starts playing. There's like 50 of our friends that are all camping with us. So it's just like this mega posse. And Sage just sets his table up. He pulls his chair up, he puts his apron on, he's got his headlamp on, he's got his little sage square glasses, (laughs) and he takes a seat and he just like starts firing out the most delicious pizzas that you have ever had. Like the dough is perfect. The amount of sauce is perfect. It's hot. The cheese is delicious. It's served on these like artisan cutting boards, like cut up by like those little curved handle pizza cutters. And we're just dancing. The sun is rising. Our friend is playing and we're all eating like fresh homemade pizza that Sage made. And he was doing this for like two hours, just like bam, 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 every eight minutes, like bam, bam, putting a new one in. Like he didn't stop. (laughs) He was just like a freaking machine. And it was, so epic. It was so epic. And like, just the feet, like to pull it off all of the logistics and to do it at night, it was dark. We'd been partying. Like it was so legendary. It was, it was just literally all time. And like everyone there is like, could see the extent that it took to like pull this whole thing off. And yeah, it was one of those like lifetime moments you'll never forget. And I was like, of course this is Sage. Oh, and then as we were walking back, I was talking with some of our mutual friends, and we were just like, I was just like, Sage doesn't fuck around with anything. Literally everything that he does, he does very well. <laughs> anything. It's skiing. It's, he has this whole account for RC cars. Like, he's gotten really into, like, modifying RC cars, and, like, he's built this whole dirt track around his house he's like like he's like made he has this 3d printer that he prints off like little mini traffic cones or like little parts for them like it's all out um with everything that he does like he does not mess around with rc cars pizza heli like um or like also rc helis mountain biking every all of his hobbies he just like does to such an extent that whatever circle he's in, hmm. everyone is like, "Who is this guy? He's a legend," and it's just Sage. Yeah. So we decided his like tagline is "Hobby to the max." S- hobby to the max. <laughs> so
0: hobby, to, hobby <laughs> to
1: the max. Okay, three
0: questions. One, yes.
1: Tell me, you yeah. have a photo. Does that need to go up of in the pizza? Ma-? Okay, show notes. I I, I want to see
0: that. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's, that's definitely needs to accompany this. Two, I just realized yeah. how desperately I need to get Sage back on the podcast to talk about, yeah, RC cars and helis and pizza. And three, I mean, and maybe most importantly, I now have a new item on my bucket list. I need to try this pizza from Sage at some point.
1: It is so okay. good. You're probably gonna eat it at a very unlikely and awesome location too, which is the best part. Well I'm
0: really hoping that Sage is gonna be at our next blister summit.
1: Oh and good. you now are
0: close by. So I got I'm I'm scheming. I'm already You're, I'm already
1: <laughs> You can see yeah, the wheels yeah, the wheels turning. are
0: turning, but um <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like, I like all of this very much, but yeah, it, Sage is, I've been kind of hitting some pretty great culinary institutions recently, like, it's, it's kind of been amazing, uh-huh. but, uh, and so I'm absolutely, like, get pizza from Sage is now very high on this list, so.
1: It should okay. be. It's so amazing. awesome.
0: Okay, wow.
1: So, yeah. There it is. Legendary. Everybody,
0: base happy to the max. Hobbies of the match. Be like
1: Sage.
0: <laughs> Ian wrote in, by the way, we're, we're, we're spoiler alert. We're kind of bumping to what we normally do at the end. But, uh, Ian wrote and said, uh, at, first of all, asked, how was the drive home? We miss you guys already. So good to get a little hang slash dance time in. So, well, so message from Ian and how was the drive home?
1: Uh, it was long. I mean, it was like twenty two hours, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair, but it was really good, you know, it was like the kind of drive after a good trip where you just spend a lot of it reminiscing on your favorite memories and yeah, mm. it was uh it was just so fun to see you up there, like it's so fun to see your crew in a completely different environment, mm. like I kind of hang out with those guys outside of skiing but not really it's either for like north face product design and development stuff or was obviously i'm not doing that anymore or for like tgr movie premiere tours where you're touring around the east Mm -hmm. coast or around the west or whatever and so this kind of a setting is unique and and awesome where you're like you know hanging out with their tens and catching up i don't know it's just it's really special so it was great So then Evergreen, 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 Colorado, where all the most woke couples go for a weekend retreat. What could possibly happen? Will one couple leave no longer coupled? Will everyone end up getting married at the end? Only time will tell. Please tune in this following Tuesday to find out. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think we just found your next career. It's just like the, the, the movie slash TV intro person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. well, you know, I'm, I'm okay. practicing. That's good. Yeah. Wow, that was dramatic. <laughs> yeah, Was what, it, was it that me? dramatic? No.
1: no, it wasn't actually. It was so awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, like so much of what my life has been about after skiing is just like, what does it even mean to be human? Like, what do I want to spend my time doing? What means a lot to me? Um, And, you know, like, obviously, we've talked about music, you know, I love festivals just came back from that. Um, Also, just like all this podcast, like I love deep dives, like, and I love the retreat style aspect of it. Like, every retreat that I've gone to in my life, there's I've been gone, gone to various different kinds, like, I just love a set amount of time with people where you really get to know somebody and what they're working with in life and have a structure around how to make life better or more you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was really cool going to this weekend. It was basically like four couples. One of them has some property up in Evergreen and they were like, they're all really solid relationships. Um, And this, this couple was like, Hey, I, we just want to have some people up here and talk about what does it mean to be a couple? Like, what are the things that we're really struggling with? What has helped like Mm -hmm. get some feedback or some eyes on the stuff that we're kind of at an impasse around or like that kind of a thing, like tools, but also just witnessing. And I don't know, it kind of sounds so like woke when I say it, but it was so not like, up in the clouds. It was very, very real and helpful. And you just realize like how much, how much all relationships struggle with really similar things that just aren't talked about. And so you kind of feel like you're the only one dealing with them sometimes or Hmm. yeah, it was really awesome. I just hope for more of that in the world.
0: Hmm. So Are you willing to share some of the, like, you just said that there are these common aspects of relationships that most of us are going to face, experience, deal with, maybe all of us are. Did anything emerge from that time that maybe wasn't obvious to you or maybe was obvious to you going in and it was only underscored while you were there?
1: I think the obvious thing that is worth meant was is worth underscoring is actually the importance of doing something similar to this in all of our lives, like relating with other couples, honestly, about what we're going through. Um, and, and just the experience of having other couples be like, Oh, my God, I know, we also really struggle with that is that in and of itself is so helpful, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of takes this like demonizing off of the really, I don't, that's not the best word, but that in in and of itself is actually so powerful. Um, And I think the other, I mean, there's a couple, there's other themes obviously that come up. Um, Like one theme is one common theme that comes up is, Um, I'm just going to say it because it happened for all, for every single couple. It's like, you know, men's sexuality is like always on all the time, you know, that's how you guys are designed and women's sexuality. It's much more cyclical, not just on the month, but on the year or life chapters and like the, the strain that it puts on the relationship as those two expectations and cycles aren't met is considerable and how everybody navigates that and like not making the other person wrong for it was a really common theme. And, um, you know, like having the man's desire welcome all the time, not be, not having that be wrong and having, having the woman's no be welcome and okay. And not having that be wrong. And like, how do you hold the two simultaneously is just tough. And we're with like relationship experts in this room, like, and it just happens for all of us. So that was a really common one. And um, another one in this group, which I'm curious about in the more modern relating society is the majority of the women in this group were the high financial earners. And actually, they were the type A's. And the guys were the ones that were a little more um, malleable, maybe creative, free thinkers, not the financial earners. And so there's like this dynamic that was really common of the woman being like, I've got to do it all. You know, I'm like tracking all of these things. And, you know, I come back and the house isn't clean. And like, what are you doing? Like, you know, that was a very, very common thing. Um, and, you know, how to, like, uh, support a place where the woman can kind of take off the, um, I have to do it all and I can just put my, not even just put my feet up, but like, as a woman in this modern world where you have a career, and you're doing a lot, and maybe you're earning more money, maybe your husband is actually or partner is actually relying on you for money. And maybe that's affecting the relationship dynamic and his relationship to masculinity or providing or, um, or like his own empowerment of like, I've got myself, like that was a really common theme, which I was kind of surprised about. Hmm. And, um, you know, I guess if I could cliff note that it's like, it's all messy. It's, it's natural to be messy. And in these new societal structures, like. We're just figuring it out. And also, however, you can come into feeling empowered in your own way and what that takes to get there is like, is the way. So it was lots of nuanced conversation around that. But hmm. those were two common things that came up. Hmm. Yeah.
0: So I am supposed to officiate the wedding of two dear friends of mine this
1: fall. Oh, cool.
0: And so I've been thinking a lot about exactly what I want to say
1: mm-hmm.
0: for that occasion. Mm-hmm. It's a good occasion not to mess up, you know, <laughs> turns out. <laughs> like, it feels like some pressure on that one. I will maybe use this conversation as an occasion to workshop um, something I mean, I've thought about for, I don't know, uh, at least a couple decades, but. We'll see what you think of this, and then you know you'll you'll make my uh, my words at this ceremony in the fall better, <laughs> right? So now you have some pressure, but um, cool. I think to me, it seems that one of the most fundamental things that needs to happen for a relationship to continue to be rich and robust and on firm footing. So it's like the most fundamental thing or one of the most fundamental things, and yet it seems really freaking difficult, is for the two people to remember that they are on the same team. Mm -hmm. And a line that's pretty dark, but I think it's often true, is, and I don't know when I, forgive me if somebody else said this first, I've never seen it or read it, but... I often think in a relationship, the little phrase I've used is proximity breeds contempt Mm -hmm. or proximity can breed contempt, Mm -hmm. that ironically, the closer we are, whether that's in literal physical proximity or we're talking a lot with a significant other, Mm -hmm. that that can start to cause corrosion, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which then if that resentment or contempt starts to build just a little bit, it's almost like a pipe, right? That if calcium or something is building up on that, if it's not addressed, it is just going to get worse and worse and Mm -hmm. worse. And so how do you, if somebody has any experience where that checks out for them, this like proximity breeds contempt or can, what on earth do we do to combat that? And then to me, it seems like this thing of, it is to remember that we are on the same team, mm-hmm. not we're not playing against, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the our partner isn't the opposition. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if that's too sort of vague to be helpful or if that resonates with you or if you've thought about things like that or if anything at this retreat you were just at touched on that.
1: Oh, well, I really resonate with that statement. Um, I mean, I'm just coming off of very close proximity with my partner for two years, you know, mm-hmm. living on Seabear. You know, it was like we had proximity of space where we couldn't get like even out of the same, you know, 40 feet with each other without a considerable amount of effort. And also in the ways in which we shared our life and our finances and everything. So... Um, I think that that, yeah, that concept is really helpful and, um, you know, what it makes me think about is, uh, is that visualization of that each person is their own circle and you can, you know, kind of mesh it to make a Venn diagram or they can just be concentric circles next to each other, but it's not like a, you complete me kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just think it's so helpful to, rem- at least for me and my life and in the healthy partnerships that I observe, it's like there, it's always the balance of how do I really deeply take care of myself and choose myself so fully and so completely that I can also choose you. And I can hold you, I can hold all of your imperfections, I can hold all of your challenges, I can hold all of the scary parts that you think I'm going to run away from. Like, it's so much easier to hold all of these things in another, when we're also so fully choosing ourself and holding ourselves first, you know, because I think it's almost there's like this uh, thing in our culture of like, you complete me or you know, like we together we make a whole. And to me, at least in my experience of relating, the more that I uh, really nourish myself and take care of myself and like know that I've got myself, then I can have Pete when he falls or when he is like, needs me in a, in a way that, you know, he's so scared to need me or whatever. So I don't know what the word, that's not the most, I'm sure you'll find a much more poetic way to put it. Um, but I think that like choosing yourself so fully always, you know, Hmm. so you can choose the other person is one thing. And then I think the other thing is, um, you know, not being afraid of, of taking the space in the partnership so that you can choose to come together. Like what, I don't think I've talked about, Maybe I talked about this last time on the podcast, but right now Pete and I are living separate and it's not because we're taking a step back in our relationship or because anything is wrong. It's because we both have these things we want to pursue. We also are both craving solitude time to ourselves. um, And we know our partnership is going to be so much better because there's a little more space and having separate places just makes it easier And also when we're in conflict, it's like, you know, when we reach a heated place being like, Hey, I actually need to step away Yeah. and I will be back. I'm not leaving you. And that's a really important thing. Like I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving you. I'll be back, you know, in not too long. Uh, But I need to take, I need to take a moment. And I think, you know, encouraging that so that we can deescalate or regulate our nervous Mm -hmm. systems is so important. And the communication of like, hey, I'm not leaving you. I'm going to be back. Mm -hmm. Um, Those two things are, uh, I think, such like a beautiful thing to to be reminded of in partnership. It's not like you have to lose yourself or you have to lean in to the point of not honoring what you need or, you know like, you don't have to get so enmeshed, you can actually like, the more you you are, the more the partnership can be. Does that make sense?
0: Hmm. It's interesting that you emphasize that one, because I think for me, maybe it's just me personally, I don't know how many others out there would resonate. But I hear what you're saying. And I think that I probably don't think of it that way because I probably would take exactly what you just said and it would start to seem pretty focused on me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I, and like, I'm... Uh, mm-hmm. This is this is like bad confession stuff, but like, that's probably not the thing that for me personally, I probably am good, pretty solid on the eye front mm-hmm. and would do well to... Be less mm-hmm. um, to lean into like what
1: does service look like? What does service yeah. look like? Okay,
0: and so you know, but I think to be able to identify these things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What, what sort of person are mm-hmm. you? Where are you at right now? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I mean, one example of this is like I still blister still occupies a whole lot of my bandwidth and energy, mm-hmm. and so given that, that. Is often where, personally, to use your word, yeah, service is probably the where my focus needs to be. Someone else for all kinds of different reasons. It might be more like, don't forget, don't forget the I, Uh or or things will go awry,
1: right? Yeah, so it kind of like the idea of what are you choosing in your life? Like, Mm -hmm. are you choosing your profession? Are you choosing yourself? Are you choosing the partnership? Um, and. Yeah, for me, at least in my relationship, I tend to over-care-give. Um, so that's why like I'm coming from this mm-hmm. perspective. Um, and the yeah, so it's a relationship of, you know, how do I choose myself? But also, like, I choose Pete so wholeheartedly. And, like, that's what has made our relationship so successful is, um, like, we both choose each other so hard. And when we're in you know, the real tough times. And when we're in the, like, (laughs) stuff where you're just like, all right, maybe we throw in the towel. Maybe this isn't worth it. This is like hard and not like, not what we envisioned or whatever. It's just, it's so clear to me that I just choose him no matter what, you know, Mm -hmm. not at the expense of myself, but like, no matter what, besides that, I choose him. And so, and I think that's like the beautiful thing of committing to a partnership is, yeah, you just agree to choose that person over and over again, Mm -hmm. each morning and through each conflict. And yeah, I don't know.
0: You mentioned something a couple minutes ago about that taking a step back or deescalating. Yeah. Because every, I cannot fathom that we have any listener right now who's like, I've never been in that situation, <laughs> whether it's with a friend or parent or a significant other where you're in it and it's just getting more and more heated. Yeah. And we we stopped being sort of constructive or productive a while back. Yeah. And now it's just like the gloves are off yeah, and the knives are yeah. out. And um, I was actually literally just talking to someone last night about this and so maybe this is just a the public service announcement portion <laughs> of today's podcast but I, I do think this is something that it's a good reminder um, for, for me and for maybe many of us when somebody is saying kind of I'm tapping out or I'm throwing in the flag right now I just need to like the engine is redlining, as it were. Like, I just need a break, not because I'm trying to run away from this or abandon this or shut you out. And because there are some people who are like, no, I, you can't leave until this is resolved. Yeah, super common, yeah. And by the way, there's something wonderful about totally. that, right? The personality type that's like, no, no, we're gonna yeah. solve this, sort. we're not gonna go to bed angry, yeah. yada, yada. Yeah. And yet, I mean- when those moments come where you are beyond the beyond being constructive, beyond it being productive, that's a conversation I think worth having. Totally. Again, with friends, with partners, whatever. And because the next time you're in it, if things are going nuclear, and you haven't been like, hey, remember, we've talked about this is the time where like, we've got to deescalate right now, or we actually might end this whole thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's my attempt at the public service announcement.
1: Yeah, I, it's so real, you know, and there's a lot to be said for. <clears throat> I mean, there's obviously so much here. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a relational therapist. I'm a human being. I'm in a relationship that has its challenges. It's also great. And yeah, even just we, today, actually, we're in the retreat as we were kind of, well, midway through the morning, something came up for one of the couples and it reached that point where it was just like, okay, how do we how do we navigate this? Because we're both mm-hmm. so escalated um, and one of them has a mentality of like, you know, we need to talk this through and work it out till the end, like see this through. And the other one is like, I can't even until I'm like more Mm -hmm. chill. And, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said for knowing how you operate, knowing maybe your past history, your attachment style, you know, are you anxious? Are you avoidant? Do you have abandonment trauma? You know, are you like super terrified of people leaving you? usually we pair up with people who are runners. Like it's really interesting how we pair up with the people that are, you know, going to challenge us. And yeah, I just, I just think that it's so important to remember that it's really, really natural to need space and time to calm down, you know, to like settle the nervous system to get less, less activated, um, to connect with our bodies, to get out of our heads and the stories that we're spinning in. And yeah, I just, I think that communication around taking the space and, you know, assuring whoever it is, like, I'm not leaving you, like, I'm not going anywhere. Like I will be back. I think it it can be simple. And I do think that that space is so, so important, you know, um, yeah, I know I've already said this and I'm reiterating, but I just, I think it's normal. It's natural. It's healthy. I agree on the not going to bed, angry thing. And also there's been times with Pete where I'm like, we're going in circles. This isn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. I love you. And we need, like, I need to go, I'm going to go sleep on the couch cushion. (laughs) I love you. We're going to work this out. I can't talk about this anymore. And things aren't resolved, but you also, you know, are putting down your sword for a moment and being like, Hey, Everything's okay. Like, we're going to figure this out. Just not right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: One last question for now on sort of communication and communication styles. Curious to get your personal perspective on this. I increasingly think that if you're looking at all these different things with a partnership, it's funny. On our reviewing the news conversations that I have with Cody, yeah. we we've recently on, on seems like several of the uh, recent episodes we talk a lot about how similar do your interests need to be to those of your partner, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we've 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 been talking a lot recently about you know if you're into backcountry skiing, does your partner need to be just as mm-hmm interested in backcountry skiing Mm -hmm. and what if they aren't and and things like that. But I'm starting to think that one of the most fundamental things really is this question of, do you have a similar communication style? Mm -hmm. And now what I'm really wondering about, and this is my question for you, is in the way that somebody maybe would say, hey, I am so passionate about backcountry skiing, so I want my partner to have a very similar level of passion for that activity. How much do you think people ought to be looking for somebody who already has a similar communication style if this is going to be a partnership that has a real shot of being long lasting and rich and robust and all that, versus not so much needing to find somebody that lines up with your own communication style, but is at least open to working on that. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like Mm -hmm. or do you Mm because I think I'm I think I might be leaning more and more toward if you aren't pretty similar on the communication style, I'm not sure I like your chances.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mike dropped. What what
0: say you? What say you? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 those, that was not of my know, job. No, know, that was throwing <laughs> my hands into the air, uh, in confusion. Like, but, um, God,
1: what is I, this mess of yeah. relating? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm only a human being, so this is, so basically I have no idea, but my thoughts, okay. my thoughts on it are, um, I mean, I think it's gonna, this is such a silly answer. I think it's going to vary for everyone. Um, but I, because I do think that people value it differently. I really do. And, um, I think that, uh, there are some people who are willing to put some work in and actually like really modify how they, how they communicate, how they know how to communicate. Like that's not off the table. Right. Um, I also think if people are really, I don't know, intellectual or are like high process, like, you know, process a lot or communication is super important to them, then yeah, I think matching up with someone who also is like kind of on the same wavelength of communicating is probably pretty important. So I think it's kind of like maybe almost a tier system of like, what level of processing and communicating are you at? How important is that to you? I do think that people can make, you know, learn new skills to a to a good extent. Um, but yeah, I really, I do think there's a lot to be said for like, what's your natural, what's your natural style? And also like, how do you process emotionally difficult events or conversations in conflict? Because, you know, I, my last relationship, um, we just emotionally uh, we would handle things so different emotionally Mm. and it was so different that that was the downfall and that was like the cause of all of our fights and there was just like no seeing eye to eye or no working out out real time there's just like we had so much in common we were both good communicators but we just couldn't work through that emotional processing differently piece so Mm. um you know Pete is an amazing communicator. And he's also learned a lot of relational skills from being with me, (laughs) because I've been in a lot of therapy, and it's something I really care about. And it's really cool to see him pick it up. But he's like kind of naturally inclined to that. Um, And yeah, like, along that line of like, you know, sharing hobbies or interests, or, you know, proclivities towards something. I think that, you know, each person has their own barometer. And I think, the most important part is just like really being with yourself and being realistic about how much is this important to me and, uh, and making it be okay if it's that important and someone isn't meeting it because yeah, sometimes like you're just never going to feel met by somebody no matter how hard you're trying. Like you just might not ever feel met even if they're trying and you're trying, it's just like, there just might always be that gap has been my experience personally, so yeah.
0: So maybe I'm already prepared to modify my position on this is, as that it is maybe less important to already start with a pretty high level of matching when it comes to a communication style and just far more important that one, <laughs> there's a recognition that there are different communication styles and then a willingness to really be active and dynamic in thinking through and interacting with the other person and reading it, right? Oh, right. He or she, this sets them off or they, you know, they respond well when things are put this way it goes south when these things happen yeah and and so just that attentiveness or attunement i guess yeah. maybe your words there. yeah yeah totally okay. we're, we're working yeah this is we're workshopping yeah we're, we're workshopping. yeah it.
1: yeah so what i'm hearing is that actually what you really care about more than relational skill or communication skill is like the willingness to be attuned to it and really pay attention and work it with each other Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think so. Yeah. I think I found myself, this is horrible. I found myself thinking about like thinking about dancing. And so say you, say you are somebody who loves salsa dancing and there's somebody else who loves like, I don't know, two-stepping. Yeah. And on my initial analogy, I'm like, well, if you love salsa dancing, probably best to find somebody who loves salsa dancing. But on your version, I'm going to pin this on you. It's like, well... If you love salsa and somebody else loves two step in it's that's okay, but there better be a willingness to learn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and eagerness to mm-hmm. learn different styles and be able to maybe participate and not that this this night we're salsa dancing another night we're mm-hmm. going two step in mm-hmm. I don't know yeah,
1: no, I think that's great, yeah,
0: <sighs> workshopping. well that was maybe a little messy. Hopefully it provides some food for thought, maybe even sparks some conversation among folks out there.
1: Yeah. Or just hopefully like you could find yourself or something you like, we're all just doing this messy dance together and anyone yeah. who looks like they have it figured out, like they might have some parts, but man, it, it's just all messy and it's okay. And
0: to a point you made, much earlier here, it's just very good to be talking about these things, acknowledging them, and hopefully just reminding everyone that you are not alone in whatever issues you are likely working through. Totally. Your significant other. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about open mic, as we like to do. Yeah. What I did want to do is... Maybe just get, I guess, a bit of an update. We've talked about it a little bit in this piece, but you wrote something a few weeks back. I believe the title of the piece was Moving the Machine and More. And at the time, your life was actually seemingly a lot more unsettled than it maybe currently is. But beyond having, you know, your place where you can actually roll around on the floor now, (laughs) I guess I'd be curious any updates kind of from what you wrote about then or things that you've continued to think about since, since that piece, Mm. since writing that piece?
1: Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like a, a couple things, I feel like I've kind of talked about them on here already, but I guess one is just like, yeah, like everyone I talk to is like, oh, moving sucks, you know, and it's kind of goes along that theme of, that it's not often just the boxes that you're moving. It's like the pieces of your life that you're moving and putting together. Um, There's just something kind of existentially weird about it. And um, I tried to capture it in that piece in the midst of moving as well while my life was in boxes. Um, So maybe the piece came in boxes, but uh, yeah, I think, something that has been striking me, at least as I've been moving into my new space has been the power of spaces, and the power of the structures that we put in our life, both metaphorically and physically, uh, and the growth that, that that comes from there. So like, what I mean by that is, uh, you know, being on Seabear, it's really tight quarters. You kind of got to like bend and crook to like get around the table or to get an under through the companionway, And, uh, the way that Pete and I could envision our lives felt more cramped. It was hard to dream big. And as I move into this place, um, and it's got higher ceilings and hmm. I can like put my art up. There's something about the way, well, in this, I mean, this isn't new from, you know, the, the habit coaching work that I've done before and the Ayurvedic health coaching stuff, like there's something very, very real about the way that we structure our, our environments for our habits. And it's both the way that it makes our physical bodies feel. It's also the way that it makes our uh, mind feel right when we feel spacious in the literal spaces that we're in. And if it's decluttered, if it's organized, if there's systems, also if there's systems with your, you know, physical things and with your time, it opens up so much in your life, you know, and I know this isn't news to anyone listening, but as I've been moving in, it's just so profound actually what our physical spaces do for us and how we can really work with them and you know when I was like working with my health coaching clients that was a big thing we would do is like who is the person that you want to become and how do you architect your environment for that right I didn't make this stuff up this is habit scientists that are much smarter than I am Hmm. but it's like do you want to be stretching more working out more like put your yoga mat in a dope spot and put cool Hmm. art around it or like you know put your foam roller out and make it inviting like how do you work with your space so that it is helping you curate your life towards the habits and the person that you want to be and like i think it's actually so powerful Right. And if we're feeling cluttered or we're surrounded by the old us or things that don't light us up or make us feel like, oh, I got to deal with that. Or, oh, I have so many projects I can't handle. Like all of that matters. Actually, it all really matters towards being the athletes that we want to be, the people we want to be. So I've just been reminded of that as I've been moving in, like the power of architecting our spaces the way that we want and, mm-hmm. um, and that we can redo it, we can remake it, you know, like, you, you work from home, you work in your office, you're feeling stagnant in your job, like, paint the room, put new furniture mm-hmm. in, like, hang up posters of your favorite athletes or places that you want to go like, it, it can be pretty simple. Um, but it, but it is really powerful. So that's what's been really present. And that's what's been really fun for me to play with. Um, yeah yeah, I think I'll end it on that.
0: It's funny that proximity is now becoming sort of a thread through this conversation. But when you're talking about, um, you know, put, put the foam roller, you know, near you or close to your desk or something. And, and, uh, I I actually do that with a physio ball, like a physio ball just lives in my living room. Um, which, which, probably not everybody loves, but uh <laughs> it is like when there are these moments, yeah, to, to use that for some back extension stuff and just the rest. It, it's a I, I like having it there yeah. rather than uh hidden away in a closet or something. Totally. By the way, I, I wanted to tell you about this and I think this actually also still works with the with sort of space and and this proximity question. Because in that piece of yours you were also talking about social media use and just, you know, we've talked a lot about just being more intentional with that, right? Either some people should can and should just get off it completely, but everybody at least ought to be intentional with virtually anything or everything we're doing in life. One of the things that I did and I've never heard, this wasn't a tip. Um, I, I didn't read this somewhere. But one of the things that, um, that I did since our last conversation is I used to have the Instagram app kind of on the first screen Mm
1: -hmm. on -hmm. my phone. Mm -hmm.
0: And one of the things I did was I just moved it over. I mean, like I imagine people can relate. I've got like way too many apps and i don't use 90 percent of them but they're still on my phone and i just was like what if i just move that app to like the fifth or sixth page and guess what turns out (laughs) like now i don't just if i'm opening my phone or if i get a text or i have to make a call i don't just see that app there to like hop on or, or, you know, we're often checking like, did, did we post something on blister or are there comments coming in or DMS, whatever. And so that is absolutely that little move, moving that to like, where you've got to actually, whatever, swipe on your phone screen five or six pages over. It's completely led to like a pretty radical change just in terms of, so I'm now maybe checking once to twice a day.
1: Bravo. Golf clap. Right? Yeah.
0: So I was like, that was pretty good. And I feel like you get some credit because I remember our last conversation, you were like, do you have like kind of thought out strategies for social media? And I think my answer was actually not, not really. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was one very simple change that actually has, um, if we're talking about just let's be intentional in every aspect of our lives. That one has, um, it's like remarkable how simple, um, but it's made a real difference. And, you know, just in terms of being intentional with your time Mm -hmm. and wanting for me to like, make sure I'm time is precious. Let's keep, you know, I want to be the one, um, in charge of that time or how it's being spent as much as possible. And so anyway,
1: yeah, I'm going to give you, I'm
0: giving you some of the credit for that. Well,
1: thanks. That's great. Yeah. And I love that you're putting on like the six page. I've experimented with like putting it on different pages. If I leave it there too long, my muscle memory will find its way back. So I have to like keep moving it. Um, I was also just listening on our road trip to the, uh, in a podcast that uh, Tim Ferriss did on the Andrew Huberman podcast. Um, Hmm. Andrew Huberman is, his podcast is kind of blowing up to anyone who hasn't heard of it. It's um, he's a, He's a neuroscientist, neurobiologist, no neuroscientist, but he has awesome information on, um, pretty much anything scientific and body related, like optimizing your health, optimizing your sleep. Um, it's, he's amazing. But so this podcast with Tim Ferriss, I was listening to, and it was a really, really good one. Can't recommend it enough. And Tim Ferriss was basically like, I don't have any of the social media apps on my phone because you're contending with, you know, multi-billion dollar companies that are investing in how to harvest your time and attention. And they're so addictive and you're like waging an uphill battle. And if you think you're going to win, you're not. And so it's like, yes, there are all these micro hacks, but Tim Ferriss just doesn't even have them on his phone, which might not be a thing for all of us. Um, but I was really thinking about like, what would that look like to, actually I just post everything from my computer but um i love that so much i'm so stoked you did that those little hacks they give you hours of your day back it's yeah. crazy yeah. so hell yeah
0: couple questions before i let you go we had some listener submitted questions maybe we're just going to do one today we're actually recording this it's sunday evening i've slept in a car the last two nights and uh
1: Hard Rock supporters, let's go. Thanks for what you do.
0: <laughs> Hard Rock, yeah. I was, um, yeah, pretty remarkable time. I was pacing a friend at Hard Rock and part of the crew, and it was kind of great. Actually, okay, so I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm going to actually take the first question here. I was thinking about this. I was like, I don't know the answer to this, but Angel, your relationship to or participation in endurance sports?
1: I can eat donuts for a very long time. (laughs) Very long time. Um, (laughs) Does that count? I I mean, I've often
0: said like, if donuts were good for us, I would absolutely eat a dozen a day. Like, no question. Yeah. That, That hasn't been... To my knowledge, that that hasn't been your your jam per se. No,
1: it hasn't. I mean, part of it is you know we grew up. I, I, I may mean, I've talked about this before, but like to sum it up, you know, we grew up living in the employee housing at Snowbird um, in the winters. My dad was a ski patroller in the summers. We had a van, and. We would rent our apartment out to, like, make extra cash in the summer because we were just living on ski patroller wages, like the four of us, for one, you know, one winter's worth of wages. And so we would travel out of the van in the summers, and we would backpack all around the Rocky Mountain West from, you know, Washington to Montana to Colorado, Utah, Nevada, all of it. And um, we... We would put in some just insanely long days and trips. And it was like, you're up at 4 a.m. And you're going until, you know, 7 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m., making camp, making dinner. And the stuff that we did, as, even as kids, like backpacking, you know, in the Wind Rivers or all over, it was constant. You know, it was like you were walking all day, every day, and we covered a lot of, of ground, you know. And I mean, you know, John John, and I went up for near when he was four and I was six. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we would pace ourselves, but it was like a constant endurance, kind of my entire life of a lot of discomfort, a lot of continual movement, not super fast. So it wasn't like we were running or... It, But a lot of it was like pretty hardcore, lots of glacier living, lots of glacier trips. Like there was, uh, everyone viewed us as like pretty, a very intense family. And um, Mm -hmm. my parents were worried about like the park service getting called for child abuse and stuff like that. Um, There's, yeah, (laughs) stories. But so, (laughs) so John came out of it as like this very, very, I mean, and he always has been so skilled at alpinism and high altitude and endurance and I came out of it and I was like give me the downhill (laughs) Mm -hmm. I want biking I want skiing I want all of that Mm -hmm. and so it's like I have the ability to go but I've had a lot of that in my life and it's not something that I like feel called to choose anymore but I really really appreciate the type of person that that made me because that was from five until I was 18. Like it was just going and going and going and going and going. Um, and yeah, just, you know, the mindset of that is so cool and so valuable and not nearly as hardcore as like (laughs) the ultra runners at all. Um, but you know, it's the mindset of like, how do you keep going when you just want to stop?
0: Yeah. You're living in Boulder. You're like in the epicenter, right? The land where people go forever doing whatever they're doing, but they just go do it forever. You yeah. know, from ultra running, you know, <laughs> yeah. to biking, etc. Yeah. If you had to, if you had to guess, do you do you imagine in the next, let's say, fifteen years, would you ever do something like a fifty mile? run or I mean, hard rock, obviously a hundred mile or 102.5. Do you think you'd ever do it out of like curiosity or could you, you imagine ever catching that bug?
1: Um, I don't think so. I, uh, like I ran, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm about to say this and I'm like, how is this even relatable? <laughs> but as I say, I ran, I ran cross country in high school um, junior high and high school. It's like, I've kind of tried those things. Uh, and I just, I don't see myself, the, the type of type two fun or the type of zones that I like to get in, um, mentally, I find I, I actually enjoy them more in like, like the Vipassana, like the 10 day silent retreat. Or, um, Mm -hmm. or like the 10 day ayahuasca retreat that I did where you're like, you're meeting yourself in these very raw and real ways. Mm -hmm. Um, but the physical component isn't as much a part of that. So that's what I find. I like enter those spaces in more. And when the physical component is there, I like there to be fun. I like it to be mountain biking. I like it to be dancing, um, yeah, I sort of like I enjoy yeah, not the endurance part of the physical component. So I don't yeah, think so. No,
0: that's a that's a really interesting answer, but it does point you you do traffic in the endurance world. It's just more in kind of the mental and and I mean that's the thing obviously that with these ultra runners, it is abs it's more mental mm-hmm. yeah. than physical. Oh, yeah. Right. Yep. And so that's why I would not I would not bet that you wouldn't dip a toe in those waters <laughs> at some point in the next 15 years. I I'm yeah, I'm keeping my money on the yeah. sidelines for that. You're right. One, but. You're right.
1: It might be a possibility. And I have so much yeah, like I can totally see why people do it. And I also think that there's an element of it where Uh, You actually need that exercise to get your body out of the way so that then you can Hmm. enter in the mental component of it. Hmm. And my experience is I don't have that restless body component that I need to tackle in order to enter into the prolonged mental experiences, if that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah. One more question from Christine. How do you decompress? After a hard day. Mm. <clears throat> Rolling around on the Rolling floor. A vampire
1: erotica on my Kindle eating Cheetos. <laughs> wow. <laughs> One favorite way. <laughs> not the only <laughs> way. <laughs> but I'm not going to lie. It works pretty great. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. It's a thing. No, it's yes. not.
0: Vampire <laughs> erotica is a, yes. I mean, I guess like that whole Twilight, was that just a fancy way of saying you read Twilight no, or no. watch Twilight? No,
1: Twilight is like I don't PG-13. I don't know 13.
0: Oh. No, we're okay. talking about the
1: good stuff. Um, Why
0: vampire?
1: It's, I don't even know. It turned into this. So I, well, I love, wow. I love, <laughs> I gotta keep you on your toes here. You do. <laughs> You're doing a good job. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, I love, I, mean, I love reading. And I really love, I love, I mean, I love reading so much. I love reading all genres. Um, I love reading nonfiction. I love reading spiritual books and self-help. I find sometimes I tend too much towards those. And when I really need to decompress, um, like science fiction or fiction or fantasy, and um it started to be this joke with me and some of my girlfriends of of like different erotica novels but then there's all of these subgenres of erotica novels and one pretty well developed <laughs> subgenre is vampire erotica so that like and they'll because these authors will write like 12 books in this series so like you get one and then you just got to obviously read the rest it's like reality TV show. Um, so, but there's, (laughs) I threw that out. I'm serious. I'm not, not serious, but, um, the, like getting my mind into a different world for a short time in a book is much more helpful for me than a movie. Um, I also, I really, there's something well, there's actually a lot physiologically behind getting your feet above your head. So if you're reading or if you're in a bath, or even if you're like in the living room, like putting your (laughs) legs on the couch while you're laying on the floor or up against a wall and all of that blood, like going back into your core, like it's so soothing for the nervous system. So getting my feet up and taking my mind off of something or, um, Sometimes I'll just put my like hands on my stomach and just kind of be with myself. It sounds kind of cheesy or silly, but, um, just like being still so much of our life Mm -hmm. is moving or thinking or doing or processing, or I got to be productive. And there's something about just being, um, that I love, but if I can't get my mind to stop spinning, the best way I have is to like, is to read and to read something where, it doesn't feel attached to like my productivity or my self-development. So those are my favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> you, you,
0: you do not fail, uh, fail to surprise. I'm curious though, what is it about the act of reading versus the act of watching?
1: Um. well, I don't know other people's experience. Um, I didn't grow up with a lot of TV and TV for me is super addictive, especially if it's a TV show. And if I like, even after a movie I find myself like my physical sensation in my body Hmm. is I feel, I don't want to say depleted, but like a little tired or hungry or wanting more. Um, Hmm. and I don't know why that is, but I have Hmm. a different physical sensation when I read a book and when I read a book, I can actually feel a calming happening Hmm. in my body. And I, there's, it just feels different physiologically, like during the process and also afterward. And I have no idea why that is. I also know for other of my friends, they can watch TV and feel completely rejuvenated and awesome, and it totally works for them. Um, but I don't get that if I'm like really hungover or really sick or feeling really awful, and my mental faculties are like very low, then I love watching like planet Earth or TV shows or whatever hmm. to pass the time. But as far as like a rejuvenating, Exercise, yeah. I don't know why it's reading, but it makes my body feel good, it makes my mind feel good, and yeah, it's my favorite. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, that's the biggest one, yeah. yeah.
0: No, I like it.
1: Do you have the same? Are you like, are, is it different for you, book and movie, or
0: yeah? I, um, it's, I, I wish it weren't true, right? I mean, I. <laughs>
1: I would love my, to just hound movies and feel great, but I actually feel bad.
0: It's really fascinating. I mean, you know, I, um, given my background, given that I, I'm, I probably own around 3,000 books, you know, and reading is such an incredibly important part of my backstory and life and the rest. But I find that by the time I get to the end of the day and I'm finally shutting it down, I think that my m- what I suspect on this is that we spend so much time making stuff, whether mm-hmm. whether it is being really engaged in a this conversation, right? Where we are very, very active participants, whether it's writing pieces, whether it's editing pieces, mm-hmm. it, that's what we do, right? Mm-hmm. So I find... That by the end of the day, I love nothing more than to sit down and watch, like, wrapped. I want to get absorbed. Mm. I turn every light out in the house. And I just want to go into the world of, ideally, sometimes it might be kind of dumb and ridiculous, but most of the time... I want to feel like I am sitting there kind of in the hands of a master artist. And I just want to go enter that world. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, and that is what, like, I don't want to be creating anymore. Uh And it's funny. So there was a show that Cody and I talked about. I'm not going to say ad nauseum. I'm going to say exactly the right amount, but succession. (laughs) And, I mean, Angel, I'm like, I literally said, like, this is as good as Shakespeare. Cool. Okay. It's like, all, this I've is heard as, it's
1: good. I'm going to put it on my list.
0: This is, like, this is as good to me as, like, King Lear. Um, which whoa. That, that, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. All right. yeah. yeah. Very and, cool. And I'll,
0: and, and I'll tell you more about that later. Okay. You can go listen to, yeah. But, um, and so there, I'm just like, let me... I want to be fully active. I am not on a phone. I am not talking. I don't want to talk to anybody, but to, to get absorbed into another world that I didn't create, that, that is the thing that for me kind of works. And frankly, I wish, I wish that was books. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's cooler Mm -hmm. if it was books for me, but somehow books when I'm, if I'm reading, it's extremely active mm-hmm. reading. I do, I I never develop that thing where sometimes you're like, I just want to read something that maybe that's not the most important thing in the world. It's not maybe, maybe you should high try art. Vampire erotica. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> I I have um, right. I that's why I don't read because I've yet to discover vampire erotica <laughs> a on changer. a Kindle while eating Cheetos. Yeah. But um, to to me when I'm reading. Th- the good stuff if i'm reading cormac mccarthy if i'm reading philip roth if i'm reading you know any any oh, hundreds of great authors that is electric to uh-huh. me like yeah. it's yeah. actually yeah. It's so electric, stimulating
1: you, it's not decompressing yes, it, it's stimulating it's yeah that's right yeah. and
0: you were it's interesting because we're talking about the physiology of reading yeah. and you are getting almost a chamomile effect yeah, right I literally, when I'm reading something amazing, it I, it's like being tasered.
1: Yep. yep,
0: Except I've never been tasered. So like a <laughs> gentler, a gentler, more interesting form of being tasered. <laughs> and that is like, so I I, I get charged yeah. up. Yeah, totally get and it. And so we're having, we're describing in some ways, almost different. Yep. Um, and I, I don't know why... I don't know why people have different responses to this, but it seems obvious to me they do. Right.
1: right. Well, and I think like that's the most, yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, that's the most important point is like just paying attention to our own bodies and like, yeah. and giving permission yeah. to like, how does this make me feel? And can I let that be okay? And what do I do with that information? Yeah. So that's so interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, I wish I could watch a movie and get sleepy. I mean, sometimes I do. People will be like, this is the best movie ever. And I'm just like, five minutes in, <laughs> but other times we'll like watch, you know, a movie and I will be up for like two hours cause I'm so stimulated from it. So, huh. and, um, the other thing I want to say on that, as far as like winding down after a big day, I just got to like put in the little physiological health coaching part yeah. of me. Um, because yeah. you know, we put so much emphasis on our morning routines and the, as we should, they start our day. Like they're so crucial. You can, you know, really like align your goals and who you want to be with, you know, structure so much in just a short morning routine. It's so great. Uh, But we don't often talk about our nighttime routines. And, Mm. you know, like a third of the people in the US have like really, really, really less than ideal sleep that they report. And so we're kind of in the midst of a sleep crisis. And a huge part of Well, there's so many factors, obviously, in sleep between, you know, what we're consuming caffeine-wise or sugar-wise or, like, the timing of our meals and did we eat a big dinner? Are we digesting it in the middle of the night because that's going to affect our quality of sleep versus if we have a Mm. more empty stomach and our processes can go towards, you know, rejuvenation and repair instead of digestion. We're going to sleep way better if we have an empty stomach. But a big thing is... Having like just kind of Pavlov response, having a wind down routine Mm -hmm. and, and having that be a structured thing. And it can be pretty simple. And so like something that I do that's really simple is I have like, you can get them at Whole Foods or you can order it online from doTERRA, like a little lavender roll on essential oil bottle that like I lay down, maybe I turn on my lamp for reading or maybe it's right before I turn my lamp off, but I roll this little essential oil lavender on my palms and I smell it. And it is like a fricking like taser to the fricking dome of relaxation Hmm. and awesomeness. Um, Hmm. but it's more just getting your, a couple things in your routine, just a couple that you do every night to help you signal to your body, like, okay, it's time to wind down. And that really helped me, Um, and also like setting an alarm of like, okay, it's time to start going to bed now and making sure that I'm going to bed. And like, really, I try and be in, in bed at 10 if I can. And the science we've talked about this before, but like the science behind like 10 PM or earlier bedtime is, is pretty profound. Um, but having just like a couple simple wind down routines, um, it could be giving yourself a foot massage or giving your partner a foot massage, a lavender roll on bottle, And maybe taking three deep breaths as you sit in your bed before you lay down or something. Hmm. Um, Hmm. And it triggers your, when you do it regularly, just like when you're waking up for your day, the way you set the structure, when you're winding down, it actually really helps your sleep. And there's obviously like lots more that you could, we could go into about how to sleep better, but that's not what this is about. But I just do want to say the importance of like, if we're having trouble winding down, and especially if it's affecting our sleep, putting in a couple feel good practices routinely every night before we go to bed is very, very, very helpful. So, thanks for hmm. letting me spout off on that for a minute.
0: Yeah, those are good thoughts. And yeah, we're t- talking about being intentional across all walks. And it, yeah, I like that even starting with some extremely simple, quick, things to kind of dial in that because as you said a lot of folks a lot of us could improve on these fronts and uh turns out sleep's pretty important turns
1: out it's super important turns out a lot Hmm. of us don't get a great yeah don't get a great night's sleep so
0: well i'm gonna order my first dozen vampire (laughs) erotica books and so i'm sure my sleep is gonna you know Vastly improve um, your dream state, too. Maybe <laughs> I'm gonna like, and I'm gonna lay on the floor with my feet up, reading Vampire Erotica with a bowl of Cheetos yep. next to me. And I'll be like, I'm on the this is the angel, this is the uh
1: angel, the Collins angel. and protocol,
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Hashtag so, self care. I'm telling you, it's really freaking great. So <laughs> Okay. Hey, don't knock we'll until s- you try it. All right. That's true. I, I'm not.
0: <laughs> yep. Cannot knock. Cannot knock anything here. Angel, as always, uh, appreciate the conversation. And um, it's fun. I didn't know exactly where we were, how deep we were going to get into some of these topics. I guess I should need to just you keep reminding me of the title of this thing. So um, <laughs> but I, I appreciate that. And and um I hope once again, we've given some folks uh, some good things to be thinking about. And really like, I would be delighted if some people then went and said, Hey, I I do want to actually have a conversation about communication styles and uh, what to do maybe for future uh, conflict. Uh, Have this worked out in advance uh, Mm -hmm. where we maybe need to, figure out how to really deescalate in a way that, um, is productive and, you know, lends to beneficial results in communication and, and all that stuff. Cause we're literally talking about some of the most fundamental stuff out there. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for working through those topics with me.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I, yeah, thank you too. Um, It's so important, right? Like relationships are such a fundamental, most important part of our human experience. So yeah, thanks for the chat about it. I just, I was thinking, I actually want to throw out a suggestion of a really awesome person to follow about this stuff. Um, His name's Jason Gaddis and his Instagram Mm -hmm. handle is at Jason Gaddis, like at J-A-Y-S-O-N-G-A-D-D-I-S. And he's a founder of the Re- at the relationship school. Um mm-hmm. but he's just a great resource and I just also want to encourage people to just like get together with your other couple friends and like talk about some of the stuff that's hard and what you guys are doing about it and <clears throat> there's so much value in sharing and in normalizing and in like figuring out what works for other people. Like there's just so much goodness there and I think we're afraid to talk about it cuz we think that maybe we're the only ones struggling with it or we're weird or wrong or haven't had enough figured out or our relationship isn't great because we're grappling with stuff. And I just can't say enough that like, that's almost always not the case. And Mm -hmm. there's so much to be had for just being like, Oh my God, us too, me too. So Mm -hmm. just encouraging you to bring some like some stuff to your friend group or initiate some relationship hangouts and initiate some conversations that, um, to connect about the stuff. So, yeah. that's Yeah, thanks for initiating this today, Thompson.
0: Angel, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds
1: great. Thanks. Bye.
0: Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. As always, I want to say thanks so much to Angel for another great conversation. And thanks to those of you who wrote in with questions. You are always welcome to submit questions for Angel at our email address, info at blisterreview.com, or you can send the questions via DM on the social media channels. And I promise next time we will get more of your questions read. All right, everybody, thanks so much for listening. And if you are enjoying these deep dive conversations, we would very much appreciate it if you would take just a few seconds to leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And we will keep answering your questions and diving as deep as we can. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for doing that. And we will talk to you again real soon.